Wow, Advent. Um, today we're going to talk about peace. And uh, I want to start by reading in Isaiah chapter uh, 55. And then we're going to work through uh, this idea of the awaiting or this journey towards peace in our lives. And what that looks like, biblical peace. Um, and uh, one of the, uh, I, had, I had someone a long time ago tell me, to always separate my personal study from my study to, to teach or to preach. And so that, you know, have, a, have this separate thing going on always so it wasn't about you or this or that or whatever. And probably uh, at least six or seven years ago, I started deciding that I was never going to preach anything that I couldn't preach to myself instead. That everything I wanted to teach, I wanted to teach through the lens of what God is revealing and challenging or convicting or whatever in my own life. And what I've always found is that comes from a maybe a more vulnerable, honest place, but it always seems to resonate more as well. So I almost always get to teach and feel like I'm teaching to myself, but I think especially here to think through the idea of peace and what that really means, uh, it's, it's, it's awesome to be able to speak to myself as well as sharing with you. So I just, I tell you, this is something that, you know, I, all of us, I think, um, I hope we can, we can really tune into and uh, be on the same page together. So why don't we pray, and I want to read this scripture. We're going to read, um, starting in verse 8 of Isaiah 55. If you have a Bible, follow along. If not, I want to encourage you, maybe just close your eyes and, I mean, really listen with everything you've got. Listen with your brain, listen with your heart, listen with everything, and just I'm going to ask you some questions about the scripture. So God, would you, um, as we open up your word, would you, would you speak to us? May it be beyond anything that any of us can say or ask or offer, but that your spirit would move. And then whatever words come out, then God, I pray that your spirit would take it and you would help us to receive it in the way we need to receive it. I pray, God, that people would hear things that aren't even said, but they're, they're transcribed through the spirit into their own lives. And so, God, we know that your word is alive and it moves and it's, it's beautiful. And so I ask that um, we would see that today, that we would learn from it today, and that we would see how much a reflection it is of you, who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my way, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And you, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. So when you hear that scripture, maybe in one or two words, what, what is, how does it make you feel? How does this make you feel? <laughs> what comes to mind? That scripture right there. What is it, how does it make you feel? Hopeful? Confident? What else? 
Come on. Is that it? Those two? You feel inadequate? Okay. What else? Okay. Anything else? Convicted to dig into the word even more. What else? Yeah. This is one of the reasons you don't just take a scripture and just go, look at this scripture, because it's, it's linked to all the how it happens. And Okay, so let's move on to why. Why does it make you feel that way? If you said something, re-say what you said and tell me why. Why does it make you feel that way? Right. So your feeling you said was confident, right? <clears throat> and you said because this scripture then tells us that we could go out with purpose and know with confidence that it's not in vain. That even in our failure, it's not may not be failure, right? What else? Who said something? Hopeful. Why does this scripture make you hopeful? Okay. We're hopeful because it's gonna, his word, whatever it says, will not return void. It will accomplish what he set out to do it. And um, I, there's a scripture, I can't remember where it is. I know it's the New Testament. I think Paul wrote it where it said that our hope will not disappoint us. Of anything we can know, our hope, what, our biggest hopes, our biggest dreams will not disappoint us. It'll be far greater than that. Romans 5, there you go. What else? What else? Yes. Yeah. The idea is that with God is so much greater than I am, and I am so much below Him that if I try to live my life apart from Him, mm-hmm. I'm going to feel inadequate. Incapable, inadequate. I have to be connected to Him. Right. Which is Jesus' first teaching in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, understanding our spiritual poverty without Christ, our inability without Christ. Not to beat ourselves up, but to recognize. I always thought it was weird whenever I did like a holiness study, I always felt dirtier. You ever, you ever do that and you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm more messed up than I ever thought. It's like, well, what good is this? Well, if it finally gets us to the place where we realize that we can't do it on our own, that's the first like step to recovery spiritually, you know? And so that's good. Anyone else? I know there's some more, so if you want to say it. Jerry, you got something? Which one? Oh, Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 12. Anything else? Because we do have to move on. But. Mm, that's good. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So the scripture that comes to mind when you say that is the, is the part that says, so that it yields sealed for the sower and bread for the eater. So it's, it does so much. It's one thing for us, another for someone else, for him, his glory, our purpose, whatever. <clears throat> That's good. 
So why would God need to say this to us? Why would God need the prophet Isaiah to give this message to you and to me, to, to, to Israel, ultimately to us? Why would he go through this time to do this? Sure. That we, it's a reminder to us. So this isn't a reminder to himself, right? It's not just words that are put out there in case he forgets or whatever. This is for us because he knows our nature, because he knows how uh, we operate. In fact, if you were to go on, listen to this. Goes on, you'll go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountain and hills will burst before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands before us, before you. Instead, the thorn bush will grow, the juniper, and instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. <clears throat> Saying his renown, that, that is, that word renown just means that it's, he's widely acclaimed for this. If anything he is known for, his signature move, it's that his people move forward in joy and peace. So, peace is God's signature move. Greatest evidences of his presence, right? Um, if, the, if this is true, then why is the recent report that 80% of Christians claim to be more stressed out this year than last year? Is it our cell phone's fault? Is it Christmas's fault? Is it TV or this or that or whatever? I think there's no one pat answer to that. I think for everyone it's different, right? But what I'm reminded of as I think about this idea of peace and joy is it's, it's complicated. Ultimate peace and joy is simple through Christ, but how it looks, in our, it's, it's complicated. There, it, it takes many different forms. And so we have to sift through that in order to understand the difference between the peace that we pursue carnally or as humans and the peace that we pursue in Christ. And you have a positional peace where you are at peace with God. You have maybe an emotional or spiritual peace where then you feel peace or you have peace. And there's all these different things, but it's very complicated. I think we need to start with maybe a biblical understanding of peace. I've never quoted Einstein before in a, in a sermon, but I'm about to. He says, peace cannot be kept by force. It can only be achieved by understanding. And I think that's what God invites us into all the time, is to say, I want you to know me. And by know, it means to comprehend or to understand. I want you to understand my peace that surpasses your kind of understanding, right? So it's bigger than, than what we know. So I wanna do this in, three, in, in, in a couple different ways. First, I, I think we should ask two questions, and then we need to consider, have three considerations, okay? And um, this is something I'm processing, I'm working through right now, and so I want to, I want to share, you, share with you some of those things. So in understanding peace, I think the first question we need to ask is, what kind of peace am I really looking for? What kind of peace am I really looking for? And we'll, we'll leave that open-ended for now. So a couple of weeks ago, we were at the grill out downtown, we're serving the homeless community, and um, there was a young man, he was 22 years old, he was wearing pajama bottoms and a vest. He was really cold, old, old shoes, sitting there. You could tell something was wrong with him outside. I mean, he was 
uh, he was just leaning against the wall towards the, towards the front of the line, and, and he calls me over, and he says, sir, can you, he says, I can't walk. He says, can you, can you get me a plate? And I instantly start thinking, oh my gosh, all these guys are in line. Is he, is he really can't walk? Is he just trying to, you know, get over on, these, on, on this, this situation? And, and, and I asked him, I said, well, and so I just asked him. I just said, what, I said, how are they going to react if I just do that? How do you think everyone's going to react? I was trying to test his spirit a little bit. And he goes, they all know I can't walk. They'll be okay with it. And... Um, and then later on in the conversation, and uh, we got him a plate, and we were helping him later. He had, he had broken his, he had a broken back. It was on the streets, 22 years old. And, you know, long story, his mom's in the hospital in Florida, this and this, how he got on the streets, you know, and it's like, gosh, everybody's got a story and everybody's got a thing. And I started getting very anxious because I'm like, God, what do I do? Do I help him and not that guy? But what about this, this, this older woman who is completely... Uh, mentally, she's not there. She can't even have a conversation, and she's in hospital gown, and she's peeing herself right now, leaning against the wall, and my daughter just was like, Dad, how do we help her? And I'm over here going, well, how do I help that person? What about this guy who comes up and says he needs help? And I'm in all this anxiety about what do I do? Because I know I can't help everyone, so what do I do? And this calm just came over me, and it was like God was just, said to me very clearly, just said, just help that kid. And so we did. So I personally, a couple other guys were part of that. We were talking to him, and we got together, and we contacted his family, and we got him on bus back to Florida. And, and, I mean, just everything was going on there. And when I finally released it, and I began to pray about it and think about it, that God was just saying, I just, I need to be, to first of all understand there are different kinds of peace. And I may be at peace with God because in Christ I stand clear before him, but there's this emotional and spiritual peace that I keep battling for God, am I doing enough? Am I okay? Are we good? You know, and then what about this and this and this and this? And, and I think God just backed it off and he just said, here's what I just want you to do. I just want you to be faithful with what I told you to do. And so sometimes I'll pull up to a stoplight and there'll be a homeless guy there and I'll feel nothing and I'll just do nothing. And sometimes I'll pull up and God just says, take care of this. And I will. And so sometimes it just comes back to being at peace with whether or not we were faithful and we were just obedient to what God is saying, not what we are saying. So what kind of peace am I really looking for? It just reminds me that there are all kinds of peace out there. And that naturally what I do is what naturally comes to me is a different pursuit. I want to make everyone happy in line. God just wants me to be faithful. And the peace that comes from him is different. So my pursuing his peace or my peace? Um, I'm reminded Jesus' teaching in John 14, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace of Christ is just different. It's a different kind. And here's the thing, you know, you've got this physical peace where you are at peace with God, this position in Christ you, that you have a, a spiritual peace where you have peace with God and then there's emotional, this visceral peace where we actually feel peaceful. And most of us, we just don't feel it peaceful. And so we try to do something to fill that thing. And the problem is, is that there's always a substitute. The world almost always has a substitute for something that God wants to offer us. 
But when it comes to peace, there is not, no one thing the world can offer that offers peace, whole, whole peace. It's only may give you peace for that one thing, and it's always peace that is fleeting. It's temporary. I may feel good about myself for that right now, but in a moment I will not, or tomorrow morning I will not, or whatever that peace is. And so what kind of peace am I really looking for? If you're in Christ and you have a peace, but you don't feel peaceful, why? We need to start asking, what, what, are, we truly, what are we truly looking for? But the truth is, the peace that Christ offers is the one thing that is the formula that from the foundation up, um, it, it offers peace throughout for each level. Um, first, and what kind of peace are you really looking for? What kind of peace am I really looking for? What kind of peace am I, uh, am I, am I missing? I want to say something, but I want to... Mo- no, I'm supposed to say that later. Um, <laughs> second question... So what kind of peace are you looking for, and, and what kind of truth are you seeking is the second one. More specifically, whose truth are you seeking? I spent about an hour with a guy two weeks ago at a store, at a mattress store, actually, and we were talking, and I rolled in on my Harley, and I had on my, my cut from my, from my club and, and my vest with patches and everything, and so I roll in there, and I'm buying mattresses, and he's not taking me very serious, um, and uh, so he asked me what I did. So I told him, I said, I'm a pastor. Just threw it out there. I usually like to tell people I'm just a logger or, or a barber or something. Um, but I just told him since I rolled in on my bike, I'm a pastor. Just kind of shock him a little bit. And uh, he, just, he just went off for about 30, 45 minutes about his whole journey. He grew up in the church. Um, but something happened in the church that was just so embarrassing um, there's stories I hear about things that go on in the church. I'm so embarrassed, I don't even want to tell them. Um, but he left the church, and he went on a search for truth. And he claims to have visited 40 countries, walked with almost every religion and every, you know, thing. But man, he was just, and I was just very, I wasn't arguing with him. I wasn't whatever. I just, he would say something, and I go, yeah, that's what Jesus teaches. And it just made him so mad when I did that. I didn't. I was like, no, honestly, I mean, I think that's what Jesus teaches. You know, all these beautiful things he's saying. And he just kept coming back to, well, here's what I found. My truth is this. He says, what I found at the end of it is my truth is this. And the Holy Spirit, I feel like, just spoke to me in that moment to, to, to just recognize this moment that he found his truth, but he was anything but at peace. He was just not at peace. And... I realize that in my life, I'm done searching for truth. I'm at peace with that. I'm searching for more of God, and I'm searching for his answers for truth. But I'm at, I have this peace that surpasses understanding that he was so far from having, even though he felt like he had the answers. And the truth was, he was seeking his truth, not God's truth. What truth are you seeking? What truth am I seeking in this thing, in this reality, in this job search, in this relationship, in this ministry, or in this lifestyle, or in this thing? Whatever, whatever we're doing or whatever consumes us, whose truth are we uh, really seeking? And um, if the signature card of God is peace and we don't have it, maybe we should work backwards and go, whoa, maybe I'm really not seeking God's truth. 
But I think, what kind of peace am I really looking for? And then, second thing, whose truth am I seeking? That's the two questions. So here's, here's three considerations that I'm, I'm working th- through, and I think I'm going to use as a formula in, in whatever it may be. Can, maybe it's situational or conditional, whatever, but if something comes up and I'm like, wow, I, I have a lot of angst about that, a lot of tension about that in my life, or even other people have, maybe this could be a good formula for beginning to, to work through it. It's, it's Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. And Philippians is a prison letter. It's a prison epistle. So he wrote this while in change for the gospel. He wrote about peace while he was in prison for God. Okay, let's put that in perspective. And here's what he says. It's uh, Philippians 4, verse 4, starting there. I'll give you three things real quick. It says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and I long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in his way, dear friends. Jump forward, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord's always, and again, I will say it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ, Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Those are three paragraphs that I've always heard taught three separate sermons or three separate lessons as their own, but they go together, and they go together on purpose. I've heard this scripture a lot. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, my prayer and petition with Thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Have you guys ever, um, somebody ever come up to you and you have something going on, they just say, hey man, you just need to let go and let God. Ever happen to you? Do you want to punch them in the face when they say that? I do. I just, I I do. I want to like, Nolan Ryan them, you know. Uh, Why? Why does it tick you off? What? I know. That's what I wrote down. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's so dang hard. If it was so easy, we'd have done it already, right? It's so hard to do. But it's so true. Oh, my gosh, right? I think there's, there's some to it as well, though, that I think when we, when we say that, Outside of the relation, the context of relationship or really understanding that person's life or their story or without being invited in to share yours or whatever it may be, when we say that, what we do is, is we minimize their pain or we minimize their journey. They, we minimize the significance of going on. So I think it's dangerous to say that because it's more difficult than, than to do than it is to say. So you have to make sure you know your place. You've earned that place to say that to someone. And so if someone just comes at you like that, you know, it makes you angry. So Say that again. Yeah, I think a lot of times we don't want to do the hard work of just really getting in and saying, tell me your story, you know. Um, so we have to be aware not to do that, but to also, as someone receives that, as someone says it to us, think about that context, but... Really, that's what this scripture is saying, 
It is saying let go and let God. And the hard part about it is, is that it's, it's true. I think about it like those, those WWJD bracelets. I just got so sick of those because we shrink wrap everything in America. We'll do whatever we can to sell something or do something. But the problem is it's a great thing to ask, right? There's a lot of truth. What would Jesus do in that situation? Let go let God, we don't want to minimize the story because we have to recognize our woundedness, our fears, the experiences, our failures. I think maybe that's what Paul is saying here is that our life journey is to, let's change the phrase, let's call it an exchange. He invites us here to exchange our angst and our pain and our woundedness and our fear and our doubt and our confusion. He invites us to exchange it for his peace. But there has to be an exchange. You can't just not exchange it. You can't just hold on to it and say, I'm going to hold on to it. Now, put some frosting on it, God, you know, and some sprinkles. There has to be this exchange. And it says this happens, every situation by prayer and petition, present them to God. It's that word present. It's, pre- it's like a present. Like we're actually offering. It's an offering we're giving those things to God, and the peace of God then, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, okay? Um, so I have to go back and say, okay, if this is true, and I'm not experiencing peace in certain areas, what areas and why? And, and to, to give it away, to, to keep this going a little bit, here's the truth, The places in my life where I have a lack of peace are always the places in my life that I'm still holding on to stuff. There are things where I value them more than I should, or I'm in control of them more than I should be in control of them. Those are most likely the things that are causing me the lack of angst. And many times, those are the things that actually become the idols in my life, whether they're small ones or big ones. Someone said to me one time, what is the thing you're most afraid to lose? That might be your biggest idol. Um, now, it gets complicated when we say it's my family or my husband or wife or things like that, but it, it's a complicated answer, okay? But we need to be thinking about what are the things? Are we, do we hold on to our family to, when it, in regard to God's peace? Do we try to control that versus trust? Our, our occupation, our things. I think a lot of time it's, it's provision, it's possession, and it's position, who other people think we are, or what we do in our life, our own accomplishment, where we gain our identity from. Do we hold on to that so much it gets in the way of our peace with God? Our, our possessions, do what we have or what we not have, do we find our identity in that so much that don't, we don't present those things to God and find our peace in God? Is it even our provision? We have a desire to be that person just to provide constantly and be the one that's able to give this thing because it builds us up instead of our reliance upon God. Those are the things Scripture tells us steals our peace, all right? So three steps. First one is an exchange. However you do that, it gives us some insight to how, but then exchange. And the second one is simply to think or to dwell, to consider it, to really think upon and to consider what's going on. It says whatever, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, what is admirable, if everything's excellent or praiseworthy, put your mind on those things. Why does he tell us to do that and why would that be effective? it's productive to put your mind on positive things, isn't it? If we're always dwelling on the negative, what happens? 
<clears throat> we get sucked into it. It becomes a reality. It gets our, oh, woe is me. Oh, this is so bad. God, why would you allow that? This, this and this and this. But instead, focusing on the positive things, I think it actually begins to allow us to see things through a different perspective. And we're aware, we're more likely aware of the positive things in front of us that we can do. Instead of going, oh my gosh, I just can't help all these people, we go, oh my goodness, I could help him. Let me get off my fat butt and do it, right? So think, I think a lot of us, we go, God, help me with this. And then we just do our life and then we go, God, it's been a week. Why don't you help me with that? You haven't taken one moment to sit back and think about the good things related to this or the positive things God can do or we get lazy spiritually, okay? Ponder on it, reflect upon it, consider in that moment, slow down and think. And the last thing says whatever you've learned, so, so exchange, dwell or think. And the last one is just practice. Whatever you learned or received, this is WWJD. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is the one guy that said, if you, if you imitate anyone, imitate me because I'm going to imitate Christ. Wow, right? Um, and, he, and he said, he didn't say, oh yeah, I would have done that, I didn't. Why don't you do it? He said, what you see me do, do it. All right? There's this example that we have in, in Christ and Paul all these things, what you see, just do that. And we're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do with next? What are we going to do next? What are we going to do next? Well, what do you already know to do that you're not doing? Maybe God's not going to give you anything next until you do what he's already said. I think we're so worried about that next great thing instead of being faithful with what we know to do. So Jen and I were on our 20-year anniversary trip. We found ourselves in this little European town, and we're walking through. The Pruitts went with us, and a friend of mine, uh, Hugh and Cheryl Halter, were with us as well. Hugh is the guy that wrote a book called Tangible Kingdom, and he wrote the Tangible Kingdom Primer. We've done a lot of studies with that. And we're walking down the street, and the, the wives are in shopping, and we're tired of shopping. And so we're walking down the street. Hugh and I are walking down the street, and there's two, two young kids, homeless. One's playing a guitar, and they're singing, and it's cold. One of the guys is just, he can't even sing anymore. He's just shaking so much. The other guy's singing and playing, trying to pretend like he's not cold, and they sounded great. And I'm, I'm walking along, and, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to give him some money, because I'm, I'm awesome. I want them to know, you know, the Americans walking through here, we're going to be, I'm going to give him some money. And so I'm walking by, and I just plopped some money in his case, and I kept walking. The closer I got to him, I got nervous. Like, what, what am I going to say to him? What am I going to do? I don't, and I just started getting nervous, so I just threw money in his deal, and I kept walking. And then I was like, okay, you know, give him some money, give him a little extra, some euros, you know. Um, and then he was in front of me, and I was looking forward to get ahead of him, probably say something like, hey, did you see those guys? You know, whatever. And he grabs a couple coffees for us, and, and he's, he's walking back towards me, and he walks right past me. And he walks up to the guys, and he, he leaned down with the coffee. He just handed it to him, And he just started talking to him, visiting with him. And you just seen them just light up, just instantly. He goes, man, I can tell you're about to shiver out of your skin. And he goes, I am, thank you. And we just sat there and talked to him for 20 minutes. And I just sat back so convicted, going, oh, my gosh, I've got so much to learn. I, I can't believe. It just was so obvious in that moment, what would Jesus do? Throw money at the guy or kneel down and give him coffee, right? Whatever you see he does, put it into practice. 
Stop worrying so much about the things that don't really matter day to day and figure out what would Jesus have done in this moment. Tell you what he would have done. He would have looked at people with compassion. And that compassion, Scripture constantly, he looked upon the people and he had compassion. And that compassion is what always is his motivation for his action. All right? And he always brought dignity to people, no matter who they were. And so when we think about peace, true peace comes from doing what Jesus did, the real things. We need to go back and study and really think about the life of Christ, remember who he was and what he represented and what he lived for. All right, let's wrap this up. So a couple steps for you. I don't like to give steps, but I think there are three steps there that we neglect a lot in the area of peace. Apply that. Struggle in an area? Pray for an exchange. Ponder it. Ponder the positive sides of it, the things that are good, and put into practice what Christ would have done. Um, But there is this positional peace. Here's the deal. You know, very clearly Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. When he separates trust in God but also in me, he's talking specifically as, as the mediator between God and man, as the Savior, as the Messiah that we celebrate this Christmas. Eighty-some-odd percent of America think, claim they are believers, claim they're Christians, but like 37% of that 80% actually say that Jesus is Lord. It's faith in Christ that makes us at peace with God. Because it's his sacrifice that covers up our sin. It's his sacrifice where justice is made, not ours. And so we have to really step back and go, God, have I ever truly surrendered and exchanged my ability to earn you with Christ's ability, which is a gift? We have to ultimately consider that. That first, that first thing, are you at peace with God? Have you received that grace? Have you received that truth? Scripture tells us that Christ came, God incarnate, full of grace and truth. When we are struggling in our lives, if you are in Christ and you are struggling in your life, I've taught this before, but I really believe it's true. You need to step back and look at it and go, okay, this thing is causing me tension and anxiety in my life. There's weird stuff going on because of it. And we usually either apply too much grace or too much truth, or better put, not enough grace or not enough truth. We need, whatever area of our life we're in, we need to sit back and go, man, maybe I need some more truth spoken into this. I'm a little bit too graceful on myself. I'm a little bit too, oh, well, God just loves me so I can do whatever I want. Maybe there needs to apply some truth. And on the other side, I think a lot of us spend time over here where we're constantly feeling guilty and condemnation and we're not receiving the, the gift of Christ and so we're over here and we need to extend and receive more grace. We've been beating ourselves up with the truth forever. We forget the truth that we're forgiven. And we need to apply that grace to our lives a little bit more. And then finally, maybe you've been trying to apply truth and grace and all these things and everybody's telling you to let go and let God and all this. When no one else understands, he does. I just want you to remember that. When no one else understands, he does. You may be in incredible pain because something happened that's not fair, but we just believe that peace is on the way somehow. You know, he does not, his ways are higher than our ways, that peace is on the way, and that my Jesus, who came into the world, we celebrate on Advent, said this, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you. Exchange. And learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls.